And it's really interesting. Like I said to my husband, I'm like, you have no idea the actual like longevity health benefits, especially even through just like, just through what your eyes are doing. When you're getting up, you're getting outside by like 4, 4.30 a.m. You're staying there all day, you're scanning. Like you're just even like looking out into the distance. You're letting that natural light come in. Like it is, so I could geek out on this stuff, but like, it's really interesting. And it is like monumentally impactful to your mental and physical well-being as well. All right, welcome back to From Field to Plate, the podcast. I'm here with Allie Doran um, from Miss Allie's Kitchen on Instagram and social media and all that good stuff. Allie, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. No, I'm excited. No problem. So right off the bat, let's go ahead and just tell people who you are and where they can kind of find you and all about Miss Allie's Kitchen and kind of how you got started. Sure. I'm Allie Doran. Again, uh, yes, I'm with Miss Allie's Kitchen. Uh, I'm, I hang out primarily on Instagram and kind of newly on TikTok. Yeah, um, so but I've seen all some of your little can... silly. Could... <laughs> now, if you follow her on Instagram or TikTok, you've seen these videos. I wish as a dad bod dude that I could like dance around in overalls and be like, hey, my husband comes home with the venison. But I know I won't get the likes that, that you're getting. Oh, I'll be God. Like, it is I'll probably riot. get banned. Like, hey, you got to get off there. Cause, but it's funny right. to watch to watch you guys interact and do that. I'm like, I really wish I could be that silly, but. Like, you probably yeah. could. That is definitely my personality. I am uh, not necessarily the most serious person in the world. Um, but yeah, that's primarily where I hang out. MissAllie'sKitchen.com is my website and my cookbook, um, which I'll get to a minute in a minute, is Venison Every Day. Um, but yes, I am Allie Dorn. I am a cookbook author, TV personality, and I run a website which primarily focuses on recipes, largely wild games specifically um, venison. My husband is a big hunter. We live in uh, like central eastern Pennsylvania. So we primarily have um, whitetail. And um, yeah, I create recipes based on what we have in our freezer. And I focus a lot on just um, lifestyle content, getting people back in the outdoors, getting our kids outside and focusing on, you know, what makes you fired up in the morning. So that's what I do. Um, my cookbook venison every day, you know, available wherever books are sold, Cabela's Bass Pro. And it's really a modern and approachable, like stuff you have on hand and in your pantry and um, straightforward ingredients, kind of your modern grandmother's approach to cooking with wild game. So that's what I'm about. Yeah. And I know we were talking a little bit, I had a glitch on my board, but you were saying yeah. that you're cooking with venison, you're creating a venison everyday cookbook. You've never hunted before. You've, you've never no. pulled the trigger on a deer. So I know that your husband's the primary hunter in your family. Like, yes. how did you go about wanting to utilize that venison meat that was coming? Cause I think you said you started cooking it when you were dating, right? Yes. Yes. So I come from, um, a family of athletes. Um, so I've, there's always been a really strong culinary, uh, culture just growing up. Um, I did work in the restaurant industry for a long time, you know, high school through college, a little bit afterwards. Um, and then I had a food blog and I met my husband and, uh, but I, you know, I grew up eating chicken, pork, and sometimes beef, very health focused parents. Um, and then I met my husband, he's a big hunter, has been hunting since, well, he tells me before I'm like legally allowed to say so. <laughs> really like when he could walk and, um, you know, I'm really blessed to have, um, his family. It's just a really neat culture. And, um, you know, I met him and, you know, we move in together and we're saving for a home and we're, you know, doing our wedding and everything. And all of a sudden I have this food blog and we're kind of pinching pennies and I've got like 70 pounds of fresh meat in the freezer, but I love my husband dearly. But everything he would get was either like a little bit of ground and then everything was made into six sausages. And, um, you know, I just was like looking at it. I'm like, I can do something else with this. Like we, we eat a lot of roast. Um, I love like ragu and like dishes like asabuco and like I'm seeing all of this and I'm like, I can do this. But what I was finding recipes out there, like it felt involved for me and I'm a recipe developer and I'm culinary. So I'm like, 
everybody else has to be thinking the same thing if I'm thinking it. So I just started to kind of try to work backward, figure out how to work with like a new to me protein and then create stuff that like everybody, I call myself an accidental hunter's wife. And I think there's a lot of people like they're out, out there like me. And, you know, how can, how can we work with this when we have it on hand and make it like really, really palatable. And now I, I prefer wild game over any commercial meat. I, we can't, I can't even like to stomach it anymore, honestly. Um, but that's, it's been an interesting progression for me and it's been really interesting health wise too. I know I didn't mention that earlier, but, um, just like from like the way you feel just with like eating wildly sourced proteins and food is incredible. Yeah. And I, I mean, for me personally, I'm allergic to beef. Um, that's, oh. yeah, I don't know if you knew that. Um, wow. I did not. Yeah. So I am actually allergic to bovine fats and a bunch of other oils and fats like sunflower seed oils, canola oils, a lot of the stuff that people are cooking with. And so yeah. what thrust me into the, the big game industry or the big game hunting, I was a bird hunter my whole life. So if it flies, mm-hmm. it dies. That's all we did from as long as I can remember. Yeah. I, re- I remember seeing that. Yeah. And so when it came to 2007, um, okay. right when I got married, we were, I was getting really, really sick, uh, every time I would eat like, mm-hmm. and this is the point where people are like, Oh, that's just right. When gluten was becoming a thing. And yeah. right when, <laughs> you know, um, all this manufacturing type foods and everyone started developing all these crazy allergies. And so I'm getting in, getting tested and doctors like, no, 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 no. You, I'm like, I know it's not. Cause I can eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich all day long and I'm right. not getting sick. I can go and eat a loaf of French bread and be completely fine. But I go out to dinner fine. at a restaurant and I'm puking my guts out. It's the fat. And so yeah. I'm allergic to the bovine fats. And at the time it was a very, 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 very rare condition that I had so much so that like, a lady in Hawaii had to like figure it out for me. Um, in a, in a book, if you've never read, it's called deep nutrition. If you've never read it, recommend getting it phenomenal book. She is an amazing micro gut biologist. Um, and it really talks about what you and I were talking about, like that whole food aspect, but she goes into wild game meats in there. And so she kind of pinpoints it, figures out what it is. And I give up red meat for 30 days because your body resets. Um, a lot of those, fake, yeah. a lot of those fake diets that are out there right now, like keto and paleo and anything that's 30 days, right? The reason that works is because your body resets itself after 30 days. Right. So you're getting, and then all of a sudden people go back and you gain double the weight because, Oh, look, now I'm eating sugars. Again. I went back. Yeah. Uh-huh. Your body's like, I tried to reset stupid. And you just were like, ah, just kidding. And so when you're talking about that as, as well, um, I, I'm in the same boat as you where I had to give up, mm-hmm. you know, and I had to start utilizing this meat. So I taught myself how to be a big game hunter. I worked in the restaurant industry my entire life. Um, and all of a sudden I had was learning how to use meat that I was not for, familiar with. You give me a right. ribeye, I can cook a ribeye. Like no one's business. Right. You give me a chunk of lean elk meat. I'm like, what the frick do I do? Uh-huh. And I don't know if you found this out. Um, the taste when you first tried it, was it what you were expecting or were you expecting beef? Or did it I have more of that irony type? It, it was a little bit more irony, but, you know, I think just, you know, when you're about to cook with maybe you find this too, with your background, like we learned to use our nose first. I smell so it I think, it. yeah. So I think it was a little bit more what I was expecting just from like an olfactory um, standpoint, uh, and just, you know, living in Pennsylvania, I I've grown up surrounded by people who hunt and like the narrative has always been, Oh yeah, dear, we haven't gained me like that. So I was expecting it to be different. I, I wasn't expecting it to like it as much as I did, right. to be honest with you. Yeah. So I think I'm kind of the reverse and I've always been an adventurous eater. I'm not a picky person at all. Like my first favorite food was Brussels sprouts. So like, you know, I'm, I'm not a particularly picky person, but was what's interesting is uh, my family. My mother is extremely picky. My brother was picky growing up. My husband's not picky, but he's particular. Um, he's wonderful for me as a food blogger because he's like not critical, but like he's particular. Um, and the cool thing for me has been to see like the evolution of my family coming up and been like, but you're, you're making venison meatballs, right? You're not going to make beef. Like, you know, they, yeah. they ask for it and they like it better. Um, and they kind of went into it thinking like, oh, this isn't for me. That's my mom is very, um, 
you know, traditional that's gross. I don't want to see the blood. Like she, she and I are like total opposites in personality. We're like, I, I choose to shovel shit for like a living with my horses. And she's like, that's disgusting. I would prefer to have like my polished China and like, you know, she thinks I'm a nut. So that's been really cool to see like their evolution and like them really be interested. My father is actually um, really just pheasant, but he's um, started hunting and he's in a trap league now. And like, they've really started to like also embrace the lifestyle. So that's neat. Yeah. And I think it's, it's fun when you start to see that happen because my wife family grew up with, you know, not even a, I think they had like an old 22 in the house and that was it. And then, yeah, oh no, and then no firearm. And then yeah. she and then she marries me and I bring a 50 gun safe that's completely full. And she's like, what is going on? Right. And then teaching her how to, you know, to do all these fun things. And then when we you know, I had I have two daughters, one's a 12 year old, one's an eight year old, and they have awesome. always been a part of it. You know, when we go out and yeah. dove, we go on dove hut, they're out there at two years old, walking with two dove and running around. And and Love I remember it. my youngest one when she went out with me for the very first time, she was four years old. And okay. we shot a dove. She's, she's, she's not hunting yet. She's not old enough, but I shoot a dove and it falls and she walks over to it and dove are flying all over the place. It's my favorite hunt ever. And she walks over and she picks up this little bird and she just like looks at me with like tears in her eyes. I'm like, Oh, I just created a vegan, you know, like uh, that's what my mind. And she just kind of like, so we sat down in the dirt and her and I had this conversation about how we're going to eat it. And it's not just to kill to kill. And yeah. And so she looks at me and she, she puts her eyes back up. She goes, well, we're going to need more than just one daddy. If we're going to eat them, go shoot more. And I was like, yeah, I nailed it. You know, yeah, like, she's perfect. got it. You know, and now she's out hunting her own. She's, she got her license Good. during, during the Rona. And, uh, now she's out there and she's getting her own food and she's telling her own stories. And she brought, that's cool. She brought, um, venison summer sausage and cheese to lunch. Like yesterday she goes, I was sitting around the dinner. I was sitting around. Now, mind you, we're in Southern California, Huntington beach. Hunting is not in the culture. Oh, it's very, very. Okay. We're surf city USA. I thought you there. guys were more out. Okay. Oh no, we are five minutes from the beach and all those <laughs> little blonde haired, blue eyed, you know, we call them the, the surf yeah. moms like, Oh my gosh. And so my daughter's How sitting there. Eat, yeah. She's sitting there eating venison. And someone's like, Oh, what is that? She's like, Oh, it's, it's a deer. My dad shot. And then she goes, next thing I know, she's like, I didn't have any summer sausage. Dad, all the kids are coming over to eat it all. And I was like, yep. perfect. That's what I want. I want to I know. indoctrinate these kids with food, you know? Exactly. And, you know, I've been really actually impressed. Um, and the, the primary reason, you know, when I started food blogging, I was, I do, I, I like to bake. Um, I love making pie because I'm a very, um, I'm a type B personality. I'm not, I'm not a pastry chef. I enjoy cooking because I, I have to force myself to measure things. Um, so that's always a process when I'm developing a new recipe. So I like pies because you can just like put whatever you want in the filling. Um, but anyway, you know, my background, I, I, I love to do cocktail recipe development. And then I was really heavily into like, quote unquote, like paleo and ho 30 for a while. Um, but you know, I was so nervous to talk about wild game because I was like ready for just like the haters and my DMs. And I've, been so surprised it's been like four years three years since it's been my primary narrative and like I don't even think I could count on one hand the amount of people that I've had like really come at me for my stance and food and what I found interesting is people from the vegetarian and even vegan communities have been encouraging like they're like if you're gonna eat protein this is how you should be doing it like people should be taking notes um and especially in Pennsylvania, since it is such a big, like white tail state, I have a lot of people that I know personally, um, that are actually my dad's twin sister is a vegetarian or pescatarian. And, um, you know, she's like in full sport. Like it's, it's very interesting to me how receptive people actually are. If you just take the time to explain, um, and, you know, you explain, you know, how an animal is chosen how it really all goes down. It's, it's pretty interesting to me actually. And I've been pleasantly surprised. Not that I mind at this point you get so much, you get really thick skin, but as you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool actually to see how receptive and easily educated people are. If, if you just kind of break it down. Yeah. And coming from my perspective as a white dude with a big beard, um, yeah. 
it's it's the opposite because they view me in the beginning as a murderous redneck. Oh, okay, interesting. Even so though they come you, at you, even though if you go look at my Instagram, it's just beautiful food photography. Yeah, and, but they come at it from this very and your daughters. And yeah, like, it's cool. but it's a, it's a very. It comes off usually as a very like, oh, you're just a killer, you're just a murderer. Hmm. And I have a lot of females who are in the you know who are in the female aspect of the hunting industry and cooking, and they say what you say. They're like, no, we always get. Oh, it's beautiful. Huh. It's and so it's weird that you see this thing. It's because I'm a guy. I'm right. I'm in it to. Oh. They just want to attack y'all. Oh, like, 100%. Right. And it's, but like you said, with the education aspect of it, I can't tell you how many people I have won over with a conversation. Right. Um, with, they just don't realize. Yeah. They, they don't, you know, like, oh, you're from Texas. I'm like, no, I'm not from Texas. I'm actually born and raised in Long Beach, California. Like, like, what? No, you're not. Yeah, just because I look like this doesn't define. Yes, and I've really won people over in my classes. I've taken vegans and vegetarians on their first hunts, and they are Love it. they call themselves the hunting vegans because they only eat meat that they procure themselves, and they which still is don't like awesome. Which is what I do. I mean, I was like, yeah. oh, I guess I'm a hunting vegan because the only meats in my freezer is animals yeah. or fish that I've killed or hunted, and and so it's really kind of a fun perspective. And I tell everyone all the time that food is what's going to win people over. Um, yeah. And, and I think, yeah, continue. No, oh, no, I just, there's not a lot of like education out there about what happens. And to your point, um, our meat, we do still have um, chicken and beef and sometimes turkey. Uh, we have really good friends that have a beautiful local farm. Um, they do a fantastic job. But um, it's been interesting. I was actually at a women's conference with my friend that um, runs the farm. And um, I had another friend sitting across from me. And I said, you need to take your son out to the farm. It is awesome. Like Maddie loves that. My daughter's name is Maddie. I said, Maddie loves it. We go out there and we talk about, you know, this is a pig. We're going to eat the pig. Like she went with me to pick up the pig that I butchered. And, you know, we have those, that dialogue in our home. Like they are cool to look at, but that's our food. And you know, I had someone else say to me, oh, I, I could never bring my son out there. He'd be so sad, like to know that that animal was going to die. And my friend so eloquently, eloquently explained like, yeah, you know, I had a teacher this year. Um, they had like show and tell pet day where they were supposed to bring in photos of their pets. And, you know, her daughter is six and very kindly explained to her teacher. Oh, no, like the cows aren't my pets. The pigs aren't my pets. You know, we take really good care of them and then we eat them and we sell them to people who need food. And I just think it's a really important conversation to have with people and we lose that connection. And I think, you know, when you can just tell people a little bit about what happens to the meat that they think is like nice because they don't have to see the blood or the killing because it's put in a package, you know, when they understand that it's like, a thousand times worse for the animal. They're like very easily swayed and it's just, you know, it's a harsh reality, but yeah. it is what it is. I had an old time farmer <clears throat> tell me one time he, he got in a debate with somebody talking about, cause they asked him, well, why can't you just buy meat at the grocery store? Like everybody else. <laughs> and yeah. which again is that oxymoron that people just assume the meat shows up in a package. Oh, look, there's a cow. Um, but there's no, there's no, association there's no connection to your food there's no connection to the lamb no. there's no connection to your meat it's walking in the grocery store and going oh nine dollars for chicken breast i'll find the one that says eight dollars and 89 cents and and it's just it's frustrating on mine well this old this old timer said every animal that i raise and every animal that i hunt only has one bad day yep and the bad day that's is, a, such a great way to look at and it the bad day is the moment that it gets a bullet in the head and that's it and it's quick you look at some of these slaughterhouses, you look at some of these other manufacturers and processors. I have a lot of people that are friends that are in the cattle industry who do very small cattle operations and the cattle yes. are beautifully mainly taken care of and it's gorgeous. Then you look at some of these factories that are pumping through 4,000 cows an hour in these machines where it's just like lopping off heads uh, and they're shooting through. And I can see where people get frustrated. I'm on the same boat as you are that I don't want <sighs> that to happen to those animals. And, I'll, I'll stand next to somebody no. who's protesting for it saying, I agree. That is a, an inhumane oh, yeah. way to, you know, when they're in their feed pens and they're in these little itty boxes with feed pens. I mean, you know, you, you, you work with horses. If you, if you keep a horse in a small little 
confined area, they will go insane. Um, Literally, and I'm dealing I, with it right now. And I've seen it where their, you know, their their necks are crocked back or their hoofs are starting to curve because they're not being taken care of. They are very skittish. They're very shy. That mm-hmm. happens to the cows, and so all of a sudden you get these stress levels that go up when they're going to the slaughterhouse, and the hormones go into it, and they start to affect the fat, which I'm allergic to, and yeah. it's crazy because people don't realize that as hunters, as fishermen, as you know, local organic farmers, we're doing it the way it's supposed to be done. Like right. we were given this meat. God gave us this meat. That's how I, I believe it. And that animal yep. was saved for me at that exact moment. You know, every deer that I take, every bird I take, that was my bird that was created for that moment for me to feed my family. And when you think about it in the terms of that, it really helps when you're talking to people who don't understand hunting and don't want to understand. I hunting. agree. And there's a difference yeah. between anti hunters and uneducated towards hunting. And I, think I there's, agree. There's a big, a big realm in that aspect of it. I agree. And I think, yeah, it's just a disconnect in today's world. Things are just fast and uh, there's a lot of room for all of us. And I, I think it's been interesting the last few years. Um, my cookbook came out in 2020 and obviously that wasn't planned. Uh, I started writing, I got the deal in the beginning of 2019. So it wasn't planned, but it was really interesting just to see like how many people were coming to me, like, thank God you released this. Like I actually did get my license this year because I just saw what went on with the meat industry and I'm done. Like we are, we're like sourcing our own protein from here on out. Like we're not doing this. Like we were so fortunate during the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, we actually had like half of a black bear and that was, that's really all we needed for like a really, really long time. Um, so it's, it's really interesting, I think, to yeah, see I had, some changes. I had three freezers full of meat because uh, in, <laughs> in, in 2019, um, I did a from field to plate class and we shot a plethora of deer. Like this ranch was like, hey, we are overpopulated. We need to just. Awesome. Yeah. And so after the class was done, I just went through and me and the rancher just shot a ton of does because he needed to. He, if you don't know what culling the herd is, talk to me, yes. reach out. Um, I'll talk to you about it. If you're listening to the podcast, like, oh my gosh, you just went and no, no, there's more animals on the land than the land can sustain. And so we have yes. to, and this is what, if we cut out hunting, we're seeing that in California right now that mountain lions are now coming down and they're walking down Balboa or down, you know, Hollywood Boulevard in the middle of the day where the stars are because they're overpopulated because we're not allowed to hunt them and mm-hmm. they have no natural predator. So you look at this aspect of it. So I literally had three freezers full of, meat that I had butchered myself for these, you know, whatever. And so the pandemic hit and all the meat went away for a lot of people. And I found that one whole freezer went and fed, you know, 30 different families at my church where people are on Facebook, like, Hey, we're struggling. We have nothing. And I was like, well, it's it's deer meat. I know that you guys have never had it. And now these people, I ended up taking out, (laughs) I think I took, you probably really like, yeah. Well, I took out 16 of those people that are now hunters and are now putting in for tags and now, going out procuring their own meat and they were anti everything. One of the guys was anti guns, anti, and he calls, oh, really? he calls me. He's like, Hey, we have no meat and there's no meat at the grocery store. And is there any way I was like, come on over. And so he came over and I filled up an ice chest. He's like, this is too much. I was like, listen, I have, I still have, you know, and my freezers aren't little. They're like the giant, like 30 cubic. And right. I'm like, just take, take, I mean, take until there's nothing left. I, this freezer's mine. These two freezers are everybody else's. And it turned out he ended up getting his license. I took him out hunting. He's now like that bite of food changed the narrative. And I think for you, you know, getting that first piece of venison really kind of changed the narrative of who you are. And it's evolved that you created a cookbook for people who don't know what they're doing. Oh, it is insane. Like the evolution of it. I mean, it is just, it's a big blessing and I could go like really granular. And to your point, it's, people don't understand like culling and population control. I'm reading a really great book right now. Um, it's by Sue Tidwell. She it's called, I think it's cries of the Savannah. Um, I met Sue. I was at she hunts, um, hosted by Brittany Boddington. I got to do a really fun cooking demonstration. I was there in, uh, April 
And I met Sue. She's really wonderful. She's actually, she attended the camp. She's actually also a non-hunter. She is a hunter's wife. And she is originally from Pennsylvania. She and her husband live in Idaho. Um, and then they had the opportunity to go to Namibia for, I think it was like 24 days, 26 days. And she went in with the very, like, I do not understand, you know, I'm sure this is a totally different talk, but I don't understand African Trophy hunting. Movie. I don't understand it. Yeah. I, she did not understand it at all. And honestly, I, I didn't really understand it. And I'm actually not even sure my husband to like the full extent understood this book has been, um, it's a long read, but it has been so educational for me. And I think it would be a really great resource for people to just go through because she doesn't only talk about, you know, what's going on in Africa. She talks about, you know, wolf population in the West and just so many different things. And even about, you know, northeastern states like pennsylvania which is you know it's just really really interesting um and that is a resource that i can read so sue tedwell i think it's cries on the savannah or of the savannah I'll very go very good read yeah yeah and we'll throw it in the show notes yeah. so you guys can she's awesome um it's self-published too so really cool really cool person um and she her instagram is also extremely informational she does a lot of um you know, just like different chats and highlights of just different things. And uh, anyway, yeah, but I, I think too, like just my personal evolution and um, we're currently, my husband and I, you know, through all of this, we're opening an event and studio space in our downtown area. I need more space to like shoot and I need um, just more room to produce content. It's getting a little tight in here. Yeah. You tell me um, a two bedroom townhome. <sighs> I right. built I built a photo photo studio upstairs in Did my you? dining room, and it's so you I can go to. straight from the kitchen there. And then I built in my garage. I have one side of my garage where it's like I've got the podcast studio, and then the next one I have like where I do film. Okay, I wondered videos. where you had all that. Okay, yeah, I don't have I don't have anywhere else I could go with light. So really long story short, but it's tough. Like, you know, when the TV crews are coming in and out, you're like, where I put, and I've got to like send my dog to the in-laws, have my daughter down with my parents. It's just like, all right, we need to do something. So anyway, it's really led us to this really cool opportunity, but you know, in that it's, it's been a really big year and a really busy year, large undertaking. And so we are currently just like doing a real deep dive, just kind of my husband and I are looking like just at our health overall, because if you're not taking care of yourself, you know, you're your number one asset. And I've been, was listening to a podcast last week, just about even like light and photosensitivity and how your eyes like determine so much of your health. And what's so interesting is, you know, we're, since we're all in front of screens all day, we're losing, like our eyes are rapidly deteriorating, but it was so interesting. All of the advice, like get out into the light. As soon as you wake up, scan the horizons, like our bodies are made to hunt. And it's really interesting. Like I said to my husband, I'm like, you have no idea the actual like longevity health benefits, especially even through just like, just through what your eyes are doing when you're getting up, you're getting outside by like four, four thirty AM you're staying there all day. You're scanning. Like you're just even like looking out into the distance. You're letting that natural light come in. Like it is. So I could geek out on this stuff, but like, it's really interesting and it is like monumentally impactful to your mental and physical well-being as well, which is just something that, you know, I never would have thought about that seven years, like seven years ago, how can, obviously it's exercise, you know, my husband's public land guy, um, big public land guy and he saddle hunts now. So like just the physical exertion that he has to like pack in two miles, climb up a tree, like sit there all day in 12 degree weather, all kinds of, but it's just so interesting and just really eye opening to like, how, how do you really want to live your life? Like, yeah. how do you really want to go? And I think uh, talking on, on that note is I'm a Western hunter. Cause this, I live in the West and I can wake up at four in the morning and, and hike 19 miles and pursue an animal and get back to the truck and still feel more energized than when I'm sitting yeah. at my computer for five hours. Yeah. And even though I'm exhausted and I physically can't go another step, I do. And I get out there and I pursue it. And I can't tell you how many times I've gotten to the top of a mountain and just sat there and totally forgot that I'm pursuing a mule deer 
or totally forgot yeah. that I'm looking for an elk. And I just sit there and just the wonder of what is and the wonder of who is and just sitting there. And all of a sudden you're like brought back to reality. Like, wow, like our ancestors did this for a living. Like right. They, they pursue supposed to be. Yeah. They pursued their dinner. And I had a conversation with a gentleman the other day and I, I was telling him that we are so caught up in this fast food mindset uh-huh. um, where it's get it now. Let's get going. No one's sitting around the dinner table anymore. No, no one is, no, you, you know, the same as I know. And it's very, very heartbreaking that we're forcing our kids into so many activities to fill their time and that there's no, that there's no family time. You're I mean, boredom. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it's sad to see, you know, I've got, I've got lots of friends where they fill their kids time with sports and piano and activities. And then, Hey, how was dinner? Uh, we went to fast food on the way home from soccer and I know. And it's, it's sad. And there was a lady, then she was grabbing a, I was at, I was at the grocery store and she was grabbing one of those pre-made cook, pre-cooked chickens and the little heaters when you first walk in. And it was like nine ninety nine for this pre-cooked lemon pepper chicken. And I was like, Hey, if you go in the back, they're having chicken on sale and it's $3 for a whole roaster chicken, take it home, put it in the oven at three seventy five. She's like, nah, this is easier. I go, are you eating it for dinner? She's like, yeah. I go, well, it's only going to take an hour and 26 minutes to cook it completely through. She's like, nah, this is just easier and grabs it and go. And it's just this mentality that a lot of people have where it's, they don't want to put in the effort. They don't want to put in the time. They don't want to put in. And so for me, what I found kind of like your recipes is how do we keep it simple, stupid and still be absolutely delicious. And so I have, I have a thing where none of my recipes are over 10 steps or nine steps. Oh, cool. None of them. I have to rework my recipe because I I don't know how. I'm curious because as, as one recipe creator to another recipe creator, what is the process that you do to create your recipes and how do you kind of like from the idea to conception where kind of like, what is your process? Oh, Oh, I love that question. So for me, it's usually either like we have it at a restaurant and I'm like, Oh, this could be really cool. Like a couple of the recipes in my book are like our favorite Italian restaurant. It's kind of a spinoff, the wild game spinoff on that. Um, our favorite thing to do. My parents live about like an hour and 20 minutes away. Um, my husband and I, like I went to Auburn, um, in Alabama. So we travel frequently to see my friends. They're all over a lot in Texas, Florida, um, DC, you know, all over the place. And, um, so we travel a good bit. So our favorite thing to do is just like talk about food. And he is like a recipe generating machine. Like when I wrote my cookbook, I was like, all right, go. And he just, this is what we should make. And we just kind of cull from there. Um, I do a lot of keyword research too, just based on like, okay, what is doing well, um, out there? Like what, what does well with like simple beef recipes? Um, and then what does well with wild game and how can I kind of like bridge that gap and make it kind of like a Miss Allie's kitchen spin. And then I just start making it for dinner. And I just keep either like a note on my phone or a napkin or a post-it. So usually like for us, um, if it's something I haven't made before, we're going to have it for dinner like three, four times. And then we'll have like a production day. Um, things are looking a little bit different now. I'm kind of uh, hoping to bring my husband on like pretty like part-time. Um, he needs to, we're at the point where like, one of us or he needs to hunt more. So he's hoping to, he's a contractor in construction. Um, so he's hoping to leave his position by uh, the fall. Um, so he can hunt a little bit more, provide me with a little bit more material. Um, but, you know, so we're just now he's helping me with production. So it looks a little different. Like we'll kind of like have a written down concept and we'll get it like four of them done in a day. So that's what it looks like. But yeah, when I was writing the cookbook, before the manuscript was due, I guess it was about like six months. That's just like kind of what we ate. It was like a rotation and I went through a spreadsheet. Everything was made like three and four times. And then it's like shots and you just tweak, tweak, you make notes, you sit there. Like, I think it needs a little more acid. This could probably benefit from some time. Or like, it's just not like zippy enough. Do you think we need some red pot? Like, I don't know, just, you know how it goes. Like you tweak from there. Um, and then sometimes with things that I'm not too sure about, I'll send them to a girlfriend. Um, I have some really, not all of my friends, my Miss Ellie's kitchen, uh, our operations manager, she, her husband hunts, so she'll pinch hit. Um, I do have photographers that work at Miss Ellie's kitchen now, so they'll pinch hit as well. Like, I'm like, I'm not sure if this is like good to go. Can you guys give this a go? So I'll just send them a Google doc. Um, that's always helpful because sometimes, um, my mom is 
and she doesn't love cooking. So she's always a good one to send stuff to because like she doesn't love cooking. She's the person that's going to pick up a rotisserie chicken that's already made. So like if I can get her to do it, um, like it's usually a home run then if she's like, Oh yeah, this is easy. Like I would make this again. So that's usually my process. How do you, and you said you cap it at like a certain amount of steps. I'm usually a little more descript in my time. Like I, if I say something is 30 minutes or less, I'm literally talking about from the time that you pull ever, assuming your meat's defrosted. Like by the time you pull everything out of the fridge, I don't want you spending more than 30 minutes or less. Cause I know how it is. I mean, we're busy, like, but we sit down as a family at least six nights a week. And if we're not, it's because like I've eaten before because my husband's walking in the door and I need to go get on my horse. And you know, there's like a circumstance. Um, but yeah, we're, we're at the table. We eat at five 30 every day. Yeah. We eat <laughs> Pretty old school. My friends know you yeah. don't call between six and seven. Cause I ain't going to answer. The yeah. Phone. It's um, family time. Yeah. For me, recipe developing, um, is a little different because I'm more of a visual aspect. I okay. want to see the entire dish in my mind before I even start creating it. Um, and oh. so I actually, ha- I actually have like six or seven sketchbooks that are completely full. And so I actually sketch cool. out, I actually sketch out the entire recipe. Um, and then I will write little notes of what that ingredient is. Cause I, in oh, the restaurant, cool. in the restaurant industry, every one of our sayings was every ingredient fresh and visible 100% of the time. And so if, mm-hmm. if, in, if an ingredient is in there, it needs to be, taste it. It needs to be seen unless it's, yes. a, unless it's a seasoning or a spice, but if it's, if it's a prominent thing, it has to. And so for me to sketch Agreed. it out and having kind of that art background, I, I sit there and I'll sketch out, you know, I had to do, uh, I did the cover for NWTF magazine with a big old Turkey burger on the cover. And cool. so I sketched out this whole thing and I sent it over and they're like, this is just a sketch. I'm like, yeah, if you don't like it, they're like, no, but you, and then I'll, I, my food looks 90% like what that sketch looks like. And it's funny because huh. a lot of people see that and they're like, you're insane. Like I'm on an airplane. I was no, like, you're not. I go, oh, I I've never heard of anybody doing it no, like that, but I love that. really kind of just from what I do. And then what I'll do is I'll take that sketch and I'll have the, the page next to it is always empty. And I'll start writing out my steps, writing, writing out my ingredients. Um, and a lot of my stuff comes from an idea. Uh, I mean, I have a book next to my bed. I wake up in the middle of the night and write stuff. And it's, for me, it's very therapeutic because as I'm sketching it out, if I, cause I do all my own photography as well. And mm-hmm. so if, <clears throat> if I, if the picture doesn't look like what I had in my mind, I get really upset and I'm like, I got to keep working. Okay. On it. I got to keep working on it. I gotta oh, keep working cool. on it. And so when you see, like I posted that picture today of that steak that was cut up that I poured bourbon on and lit yes, it on fire. Right? Yes. Yes. And you lit and it. Yeah. I had I sketched that out like four or five times and I was like, this is how I want it to look. This is what this is. And so then <clears throat> yesterday, that was my lunch that I had yesterday. I cooked myself venison uh-huh. chops and lit it on fire. And that's just kind of the process. Well, the fun thing is 90% of the meals I put on, you know, social media and in my <clears throat> blog, I'm actually working on three cookbooks right now. And Oh my God, congratulations. No, it sucks. I hate, <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I just turned down the deal. Uh, I did. Well, mine are all self-published too, because none of these publishers, I just, um, I, I would crap. go that way. I think I probably will in two or three years once I have my new studio space. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I, I can't deal with all these people. You can't. I'm like, you know what? Nah, screw it. I'm doing it myself, uh, which is taking longer, but it's actually beautiful. Like the one that I've talked to a lot of people about is I'm coming it's out. It's all your profit. Yeah. The, yeah. And a hundred percent your profit. And so the main one I'm coming out with that should, I should be done by the end of this summer is called 50 and 50. And what it does is it takes the signature dish from all 50 states and does a wild game twist on it. So you, I went and researched, uh, went and researched every single state and what their signature dish was or what they were known for. Some of these recipes mm-hmm. that I found were from like the 1800s. And how do, you, how do you sit there and revamp it? And so it's absolutely, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Everything tells stories about that state and that state's food. Oh, I love um, it. And so it's, it's not just like, hey, here's another meatball. Um, it's actually like, Hey, this is a recipe that, you know, like, like a runza, who the heck knows what a runza is. I don't know what that is. Where's you, that from? Unless you go to like Nebraska. And oh, then, Nebraska. But that's one of their, and you talk to anyone from Nebraska, like, Oh my gosh, we eat this all the time. You know, like, or what a pasty is. Like a lot of people don't know what pasties are. I've heard of that. I've, I've posted heard of that. it before. It's like a, yeah. think of like a, a bland Midwestern empanada. That's the best way to put yeah. it. Yeah. 
I think um, I've seen them on Diner, Diner's Drive-Ins and yes, yes. I'm like a total closet triple D junkie. Uh, no, we are. <laughs> um, so that's just kind of how my restaurant or my recipes are developed in my head. That's uh, really cool. And you're really detail-oriented, man. I'm like very uh, – people are very surprised when I tell them this because you meet me and you think I'm like really type- – I'm type A by like necessity because like you can't run I'm, – I'm sorry, but you can't run a successful business without being like organized and on the ball and – having like it together, but, um, I'm very organic. Like I'll have like an idea, but it like, I have to have like, just like, I don't know if you, I forget what show it is. It, it's some like crime show. And this guy like puts in his AirPods and like, does this like really weird thing. That is me when I'm shooting recipe. I'm just like, kind of like, like monk or whatever. Yes, I think yeah. it is. And it's just like, really, yeah. that's me. I'm like very like, it all happens up here as I'm doing it. I'm a, I'm a by doing yeah. like well, learner. So there's many recipes where I'm at deer camp or something and I'll be sitting in a blind and I go, oh, I got an idea. Oh. And we, and we get back and I go, everyone's like, we were at Turkey camp this year and we're sitting there and he shoots a Turkey. And I was like, I'm glad you shot that Turkey. Why is it? Cause I got an idea. He's like, yeah, we're going to eat. And I went, we went, went back to camp and I cooked it for dinner. And then I took a picture and they're like, Wait, you just thought of that in your freaking head when we're sitting. I was like, Yeah. Well, people ask me all the time, like, what do why you th- do when I do? Yeah. Why <laughs> what do you think of when an animal walks in and you're about ready to shoot him? I go, honestly, I'm thinking about six or seven different recipes. Yeah. I don't absolutely. I, I don't view absolutely. that deer as a deer. I, I view it as meat. Like food. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's fun because like you said, your husband, but my daughters have become the biggest food critics in the oh. entire world. We'll sit down at dinner. This is not a joke. And my oldest will be like, All right, well. Here we go. Dad's new dish. And I'm like, oh, all right. And they'll sit there. Can't wait for that. They'll start freaking dissecting it before. I'm like, just eat it. They're like, well, hold on, dad. So let me see the sketch. Because my wife gets the food picture plate. I don't okay. know if you knew that. Okay. Um, so every every food that I take the photo of, that's my wife's dinner plate. Or what my wife eats. Because oh, she needs to have the, the best yeah. of it. And then the rest of us get like, hey, here's your burger. Eat the it. little scraps. Um, that is so but sweet. But the, the burger that, the burger or the steak or the meatballs or whatever, that culinary dish yeah. photography, that's my wife's plate. Uh, or and sometimes she'll cut it in half and take the rest to work or whatever, right? To work. But there's been times where my daughters will take a bite. They're like, you know what this needs, dad? This needs a little more garlic. Or dad, I think you over, you were too heavy on the citrus. We need to back out. We need more oh, of a That salt. is always my husband's critic. I am very Mediterranean. Like I'm very fresh, bright, like, you know. Yeah. And he's always like, yeah, I need to turn down the lemon, hon. And I'm like, okay, all right. But you need that because right. not everybody eats like me. But when, <laughs> but when it's an eight-year-old and 12-year-old telling you this, it's I like, love it. It's like, or we'll go out to a restaurant and they're like, dad, um, your version's better. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's, my version is better. That's the embarrassing thing. Even with like, my daughter will be two in July. It's embarrassing. Like going places or going to other people's homes because like my daughter's always been like, I want meat. She just calls it all meat. She's like, meat? Can I have meat? And like, you'll give her something. And she's like, yeah. Mm-mm. Like, I'm not, I'm not eating that. I forget where we were one time. And I, it was a little embarrassing because she was like, no, mommy, do that. Like, no, like, this is not. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, my daughters, they go, yeah. they go to houses all the time. Oh, and I'll get texts. I can only from, imagine. And I'll get texts from the parents like, uh, what? My daughter went to a birthday party and the parents were serving filet mignon to all these kids right oh no and my daughter goes gray well i i just don't whatever so she goes she looks at the dad and goes well who killed the cow she was like eight and then the guy goes excuse me she's like well who killed this cow and he's like we got at the grocery store she's like yeah but who killed the cow and he's like i don't know what she's like well i can't eat something if i don't know where it's from like and so we don't eat beef in our house and dad goes, oh, you're a vegetarian. She goes, oh, no, we eat more meat. Like, that's what we eat every single night. So the dad texts me. He's like, your daughter? And I go, I'll bring over a, an elk steak. And so I brought over, I, you know, all these kids are eating these little four-ounce fillets. And I bring over an elk steak yeah. that's like 27-ounce elk steak. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, here you go. Slap it on his grill. And he's like, uh, I was like, I'll cook it for her. And it was like bloody rare. Put Perfect. It down. And, like, and, and she's, she's like, like, and all these other kids have this, oh, she's just like, do-do-do-do. Like, well done. Just, the dad's like, can I try that? She's like, yeah, sure, go for it. And so it's, it's funny because like, you're going to, you're going to see that in your daughter. You're going to, you're going to be able to embrace that. And for me, it's super exciting that like at my daughter's three-year-old birthday party, she wants teriyaki venison meatballs. And Uh, yeah. 
that's what we eat and that's that's how we embrace it. Like we're going camping. We actually leave for camping tonight to go camp with oh, a bunch nice. of our friends down at the beach. And one of the dads is like, oh, well, let's, let's try to plan meals together. And my oldest one looked at her friend who's going and was like, we can't plan meals together because you guys don't eat good food. And I was like, oh, honey, stop it. Uh, honey, you can't. Like, we got to. Yeah, but I love that. That'll be Maddie. Right. Oh, well, gosh, she's direct. Oh, I, I love it. Both of them are very, very sassy. The sass is strong. They get it from their mom. But it's, I don't know, it's exciting. Not for me. No, no not at all. <laughs> if you can't tell. But I think it's it's fun and it's exciting to watch you watch how you've grown um, and watch yeah. a lot of the females that are coming in. Cause again, I've been part of the, the wild game chef world for quite a while. And yeah. it's fun to see, like I, I got asked the other day, are you jealous or frustrated by all these new people coming in? Which is an honest question, right? Cause there's a lot of us and I, and I looked at them and said, heck no. The more no. people that bring beautiful wild game dishes, the more people that are going to get outside and go pursue their dinner, the more people that yeah. are going to be excited about it. And you're going to be able to reach an audience that I can't reach because of I'm a dude with a beard. Oh, and so, right. And you know, there's, there's room for everybody. I think like the biggest myth is like, you know, if there's somebody else that does kind of what you do, that they're a competition, um, there's opportunity is not finite. Right. And like, you know, I come from like the food blogging world where it's, I'll tell you what, it's a little like very competitive. And I just like never really jived with that. I just didn't understand like, sure, we can both have like dairy-free watermelon milkshakes and like it works. Right. right. But um, I agree. And I just think that more people have these conversations and show people what's possible. I think, well, I think our, probably all of our ultimate goal is to shift the conversation around where your food is coming from and 100%. get people to like spend more time with family. And like, what could be bad about there being more of us talking about that? Like that's, isn't that what, like we want everybody to be happy? Like, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, no, I did it. I did a, an article in times magazine and oh, we were wow. talking about the local war movement and talking about procuring your own food. And they, they had organic produce people on, they had organic dairy farmers, organic chicken. And I was one of the people that got brought in for uh, wild game and procuring your own wild game. And it was mainly because of my classes. They wanted to talk about how I'm teaching the next people that do it and people that don't know. Yeah. I, I take out, I took out the oldest person I took out was an 80 year old who had never touched a gun before. And they shot their first year. That's so cool. They don't have that much time left and they're out there like, Hey, I got to change. I got to change these last years I have of my life and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And in that article, I did some research and found out that the average steak at a grocery store touches 50 to a hundred things or hands before it gets to your plate. Now, if you think about it, you're like, people are like, Oh, that's crazy. From the moment they are they they leave to go to a processing plant, they're on trucks, they're on conveyor belts, they're touching knives, they're touching packing yeah. plants, they're touching uh, trucks. Their hand, I mean, there's seven or eight different people that are rolling and packaging and checking packages and putting down labels. And then you get in the grocery store, and how many people are lifting up, looking at the right package to make sure that it's the cheapest one or the biggest one. So before it gets to your house, it's only it's touched fifty to hundred things. Right. My food and your food touches one thing and that's our hands before it gets to our plate. Right. How can you tell me that my movement is disgusting and wrong when your movement involves 50 to a hundred things or hands right. touching before it gets to your, your child's plate. There's a reason E. Coli is always getting you know caught up. I can go on and on and on because I do tons of food research probably like you do. And there's a reason that wild game's not getting done. I got some guy who got mad at me the other day when I posted that. Cause I said, my, you know, wild game never gets recalled. And he goes, well, it's cause we don't get it tested. We don't do this. We don't do that. I said, okay, let me rephrase that. I've never gotten sick off of eating my wild. No. Game. Oh my I, gosh. And I feed like, my kid rare steak. Right, I mean, I do like, she's too. Yeah, unless it's like black bear and trigonosis fear and that kind of stuff. But for, well, yeah, that's, that's, real, that's, a, that's a different, different thing. Parasite, which you know, is part of that animal's diet. It's not because I got feces on a conveyor belt where all the meat was going and all of a sudden every meat that went down the conveyor exactly. belt. Exactly. There's a big difference. That's out of your control. Right. And that's like the actual meat. It's right. not so, like from, no, I, ah, I, I totally get it, but it just like ties into this, like I get, and I would go down a rabbit hole, but like this over cleansed society, yeah. like everybody's so like, not that you shouldn't wash your hands. People will probably come to me. You said you shouldn't wash your hands. No, it's just that like 
overly spraying and killing germs and because they probably need it because it touched a hundred people, but it's just coming from a, a, yeah, somewhat of a background, like, you know, as a kid, just like always in the barn, always dirty, always covered in mud. Like, you know, our, our microbiomes just benefit from that sort of lifestyle and, yeah, yeah, I could go down and big rabbit hole. Yeah, well, even, I won't, but. even talking about the outside, think about your insides. In that in that book, that Deep Nutrition I was talking about, Yeah, she was talking about us taking out the benefits in our gut, which is uh, positive for health, right? There's a reason obesity is on the rise. There's a reason that heart disease and diabetes and listening of the EDs that go down the line, right? And high blood pressures and all those other things that were non-existent prior to the 40s when we introduce processing like processed foods and now all of a sudden in, in these 75, 80 years since we introduced processed food, how we as a civilization have developed allergies, how we've developed um, gluten intolerances, dairy intolerances. When we were growing up, I don't know. I I don't know how you old, how old you are and I'm not going to ask, but I'm saying you look like you're 17 and a half. So we're going to go there. And, uh, <laughs> great. And, uh, <laughs> I'll take it. but I cannot tell you one kid that I knew that had an allergy that they couldn't eat food from a peanut to a dairy to, I can't tell you ever until I got it's into, scary. Like, until I got into college. Someone's like, Oh, I can't have dairy. It upsets my tummy. And I'm like, what? Like that was oh, everything. I mean, we used to go to restaurants where peanut shells were all over the ground because you were eating I peanuts know. and throwing it on the ground. And now it's like, we can't even have a peanut near you on an airplane. Um, and you're trying to tell me that that doesn't have to do with our guts. That doesn't have to do with the food we're putting into our body. And so anyway, you and I could talk probably for about another three and a half hours on just the subject of (laughs) how to eat better and how to eat healthy. Um, and really understand that process. And like, for me, I gave up sodas. I gave up candies. I gave up caffeine. Oh yeah. I can't do sugar. I can't even tell you how amazing I feel you know, giving up all of that, just, just giving up that. And it was, it's mind blowing to think about the people that are, what I gave up, that's what's actually in their food and what they're eating and why they feel, I mean, go. The sugars and the oils for me, um, you know, I know I mentioned that I was like really big into like the paleo and whole 30 world. And like, I, I did learn from it. I mean, you can, you can bash it all you want. And I definitely don't agree with anything, but I did, you know, incorporate when you incorporate things back. And I know you said you did a 30 day reset. When you incorporate things back slowly, you actually find out like what makes you feel like crap. And for me, I'm like, I could eat pasta all day and I feel fine. I can eat really high quality cheese. I feel great. I can drink a little bit of milk. I prefer raw milk. Like, you know, I'm good, but the sugars, the processed 